The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. This is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Hello everyone, welcome to the History of the World podcast, Unscripted, and uh, this is a series of episodes that we're making during an interim period between uh, Volume 4, where we're we're uh, sort of taking a little bit of a break really. Um, in June I was quite busy and uh, I had to suspend writing for a couple of weeks. Now I'm back writing again, so it shouldn't be too long at all before we've got new episodes to uh, to publish so just be patient for another another couple of three weeks maybe and then we should be able to make an announcement about when the first uh, new episode is coming out of course we're um, also catching up with um, special episode requests which uh, is a, a reward that we grant to those patrons who, uh, who donate a significant amount of money to the podcast we offer them the opportunity to have an episode written on the subject of their choice. And uh, I've already written a couple of those episodes, so they'll probably be the first ones that we hear again uh, when we resume the full episodes. Of course, we've got to resume the Ancient World Cup as well. We can't forget about that competition. We're halfway through the first knockout round of that. Um, for more details, go to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and uh, and have a little bit of a click around. You'll be able to see the current situation with the Ancient World Cup. And uh, also you'll get a bit more detail about how to become a member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati by signing up to become a patron and earning the rewards. We send you gifts out in the post and we give you opportunities to have special episodes written on the subjects of your choice and the ones that we've got coming up. Um, are uh, an episode about the Khoisang cultures of uh, of Southern Africa. We're going to be telling the, the entire story of the history of Crete, which is going to be a, a, a mammoth task to fit that into one episode, but we're going to give it a go. It might be a little bit longer than uh, usual, uh, but, you know, such is the story of Crete that, that we have to sort of um, try and cram everything in. It's going to be a, a bit of a mission. Uh, but then also we're going to be making explorations into uh, medieval weaponry and uh, um, um, medieval uh, communication and, and transport. So we're going to be looking at those as special episodes that have been commissioned by History of the World podcast Illuminati members. So that's all coming up in the future. This week, however, and in this particular episode, I thought that I would talk about something that Another History of the World podcast Illuminati member brought up um, Lynn Dowling, who uh, mentioned about um, Harold Bluetooth 
and the fact that his name has now lent itself to the technology that we call Bluetooth in the modern world. And um, I uh, obviously am aware that Harold Bluetooth is very much part of the same dynasty that give us Canute the Great. So I want to talk about that particular dynasty. It links up uh, Viking culture with the what we can call the emergence of the modern states of northwest Europe. So we'll talk about that brief dynasty and, and some of the characters that existed within it. So that will be our story for this week. Well, the biggest problem that we have with anything to do with the Vikings is the fact that we don't really know exactly how to interpret the sagas uh, that tell us the stories of Viking history. Um, with any degree of accuracy, sometimes the historicity of these stories is questionable and sometimes due to the fact that we see the same names cropping up over and over again, we don't really know if we're talking about the same person. So where people might have the same name, you might have various people called Harold, they could refer to the same person or they could refer to different people. And similarities in names... Um, from different nations so for example where you might get uh, a name mentioned in the Viking saga that might be similar to a name mentioned in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle for example historians are not really sure whether they're whether it's a reference to the same person or not um, due to the difference in dialects and, and we see this often in history anyway uh, but it's very very hard before a certain time to um, to really associate particular individuals categorically with uh, other individuals. So the, the lineage of uh, the dynasty that we're talking about today um, sees its roots in what we call semi-legendary characters. And, uh, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that in more detail. The Icelandic saga that deals with this dynasty is called the Knutlinga and so we see this dynasty called the House of uh, the Knutlinga um, which um, refers to the name Knut directly uh, but with um, the, probably the most famous king of the dynasty being Knut the Great himself um, it may be likely that the Canute in the name Canutlinger refers to the uh, semi-mythological king um, Harder Canute, who I'm going to come to in a minute. The alternative names for this dynasty is the House of Gorm, um, which refers to, uh, re which refers to Gorm the Old, who is the first king of which we can sort of categorically say we believe existed for for definite. Um, and um, it's also called the Yelling Dynasty because Gorm the Old uh, ruled uh, out of the city of Yelling uh, in Denmark. Um, and it's uh, Gorm the Old was essentially a king of Denmark and we believe that he came to that throne due to uh, an invasion of Denmark by his, by his father. And his father is Harder Canute, who we just mentioned. Um, but Hardekanu is described as a uh, semi-mythological, semi-legendary semi king of Denmark. Um, and he himself was a son of Sigurd Snake in the Eye, whose name we have to mention purely because 
it's a, it's such a great name, isn't it? Uh, Sigurd Snake in the Eye is one of these uh, also semi-legendary Vikings who we read of in the Viking sagas. Gorm the Old was the king of Denmark in the 10th century. He was married to a woman called Tura. Tura is um, is suggested to have made considerable alterations to the Danevirka. The Danevirka is like an earthworks uh, which separates Denmark from uh, from the lands of the Saxons, but. Um, it was certainly there a long time before the reign of Gorm the Old, so we're not really sure what role Dura had in the uh, in in the improvement of this earthworks. But very interesting anyway to to know that uh, that, that association is made. Um, they uh, they are the parents of Harold Bluetooth and. Um, both Gorm the Old and Harold Bluetooth um, commissioned the building of um, significant rune stones in Yelling, um, which uh, have remained there to this very day. And it's only until recently that these rune stones have, you know, they're quite considerable size. They've been preserved in glass casings to pre- prevent them from um, further deterioration. So they seem to be deteriorating. It was only in sort of around 10 years ago that these glass casings were built around them to, to help to preserve them. Until then, they were just out in the open, you know, basically there to be effectively vandalised, um, potentially. So um, these glass casings are a very welcome addition. Uh, and this is within Yelling itself, so uh, so they're called the Yelling Stones. Now, Gorm and uh, Tura had um, multiple children, we believe, and uh, one of them was, of course, Harold, who we refer to as Harold Bluetooth. And um, it appears that um, there's not anything contemporary to um, to demonstrate the name Harold Bluetooth, and uh, it's more in sort of... Um, uh, in scriptures after this period that we see the name Bluetooth and it might be because he had a bad tooth and, and the, the the name Blue is very... Uh, it, it's, it's down to a bit of translation really. It could have meant like a more like a black tooth rather than a blue tooth. Um, so he could have had a bad tooth but then other historians believe that it's nothing to do with his teeth at all and it's just a... It's just a an anomaly of the translation, but he he may have had a bad tooth, and that's why he was called Harold Bluetooth. Um, nonetheless, um, that name Bluetooth has has generated a, a life of its own, hasn't it? As we refer to Bluetooth technology these days, and um, what we do know about Harold Bluetooth, we don't know a great deal about him because we also refer to um, historical writings that can be a little bit ambiguous to say the least. But uh, Harold Bluetooth was certainly the king of Denmark and we believe he was briefly the king of Norway also. Um, so he did extend his uh, his realm um, and um, he also is attributed with bringing Christianity to the Danes um, although this is also contested by historians who say that we cannot categorically um, state that with any degree of complete confidence. Um, the 
the the reference to Bluetooth technology is interesting because um, it's um, generated by the notion that Harold uh, managed to amalgamate all of the Danish peoples into one nation and um, and this is essentially what Bluetooth technology does. It sort of reaches out to the locality and and brings together um, you know devices. And um, so it's that it's that sort of collectiveness of what Harold Bluetooth did with the Danish people that sort of that sort of lends its name to this collectiveness of Bluetooth technology. And um, the symbol for, for Bluetooth technology is like a bind rune. And what I mean by that is that we take the equivalent um, runic letters uh, for H and B, the initials of Harold Bluetooth. And they're combined together to um, generate a new a symbol, which is like an amalgamation of the two rune uh, letters, if you like. And uh, that is that image is what we see today as the logo of Bluetooth technology. So this is effectively what um, our history of the History of the World podcast Illuminati member Lynn Dowling uh, referred to when she wrote the email into us. Um, about uh, the story of Harold Bluetooth, how he lent his name to Bluetooth technology and um, how this um, symbol, this uh, runic style symbol for Bluetooth technology was generated. Some sources tell us that um, Harold Bluetooth was deposed as King of Denmark by his son, uh, Sven Forkbeard who we've, we're also familiar with in the History of the World podcast. Now, Sven Forkbeard, we know more familiarly as the uh, Danish um, conqueror of the Kingdom of England. And um, effectively what he did, he ran the English King Ethelred the Unready off the throne and took the English throne for himself. So he was the first Danish King of England. And uh, but his reign was very brief, and and he was much more um, considerably a king of Denmark, and um, on and off a king of Norway. He's he's fundamentally was a Danish king, so his uh, his rule over Norway was often contested, and uh, he had to work hard to maintain any kind of rule over Norway. But uh, certainly, as a king of Denmark, that was probably his one biggest achievement was actually becoming the king of england and it certainly set up um very much um a lot to do with the 11th century english theater and and uh what culminated in the battle of hastings and the norman conquest of england when sven Fulkbeard died very quickly after seizing the throne of england uh ethelred the unready came back to rule england but the kingdom of denmark um, went to his uh, his son, uh, Harold, who ruled as Harold II of Denmark. Sven's other son, um, or one of his other sons, was Canute, who we know as Canute the Great, and uh, he would actually go to England and attempt to reclaim the English throne. Um, he couldn't be the king of Denmark because his older brother Harold was already the king of Denmark, so he went to England and uh, and he took on um the anglo-saxon dynasties um and uh, managed to uh, ultimately come out on top and be uh, the king of the english and uh, he took um 
Ethelred uh, the Unready's widow as his own wife, uh, Emma of Normandy, and uh, he effectively sort of anglicised himself to some degree um, in order to be accepted by the English as their king. On the untimely death of his brother Harold uh, in Denmark, uh, Canute would then become the king of Denmark too, and so um, emerged what we refer to as this North Sea Empire. And as Canute's reigns um, and his life went on, uh, he would gain the opportunity to uh, to win the crown of of Norway. And um, from some of his stylization, we understand that he also uh, became um, a king of some of the Swedish tribes as well. So we really see this amalgamation of a, a North Sea Empire. And let's not underestimate this at all. Um, this North Sea Empire was a Christian empire uh, due to the conversions of previous generations and as such was seen with very much um, a great importance by um, the Christian church in Rome um, and the papacy. So it was held in very high esteem and as such um, the Norse Gales and the Scots really sort of saw Canute as someone who they should respect and and certainly not try to openly challenge and so he he had the respect of most of northwest europe as as the king and um has been sort of described as very much um you know one of the the greatest kings of anglo-saxon history certainly um and of course um you know when let's put it another way if you google search um, who was the only English king to have the epithet the Great? Um, all you get is is bombarded with Alfred the Great. But let's get this straight. Alfred the Great was a king of Wessex, and although he was English in his blood, uh, i.e. he was an Anglo-Saxon, the only king of England who's called the Great was actually Canute. Uh, because Alfred sort of predated that English, that notion of a of a united England. Uh, so there's a, maybe a quiz question answer for you. Now, after the death of King Canute the Great in 1035, this is where things get a little bit complicated and, and where the Yelling Dynasty sort of fizzles out, really. Um, with, uh, with the Kingdom of Norway, it passed into the hands of Magnus the Good, who was not a part of the Yelling dynasty. So, the, so the, the kingdom of Norway sort of returned back to its roots a bit with the kingdom of Denmark passing into the hands of Canute's son, who himself was called Harder Canute, um, which was uh, you know, very similar to the, to the name of the man who was believed to have been sort of part of the ancestral semi-legendary dynasty, uh, the father of Gorm the Old, of course. Um, but Hardicanute was um, not able to take the throne of England as well. That fell to his half-brother, who was called Harold Harefoot. Harold Harefoot ruled as the King of England for five years until his own death, and then Hardicanute was able to assume the throne of England as well as the throne of Denmark. Um, Harold, um, sorry, I beg your pardon, not Harold, uh, Hardicanute um, met with Magnus the uh, the Good um, at um, 
at a place uh, near the Gotterelv, which is the river, which is a river in, in Scandinavia, uh, which also gives its name to the city of Gothenburg, funnily enough. Um, enough about that. Um, Magnus the, the Good and uh, Harder Canute reached an agreement that if one died, that the other would uh, take control of, of his kingdom. Um, and then uh, Harder Canute himself died in an untimely fashion in 1042. Um, what happened in England um, was that uh, Harder Canute was succeeded uh, by Edward the Confessor, so the Anglo-Saxon um, uh, Witan, who were the who were the, like the uh, the sort of the, the the nobles of of Anglo-Saxon England, uh, voted to put um, Edward the Confessor on the throne. So this uh, this uh, this marked the end of of Danish rule in England. Um, as for Denmark and Norway. Denmark itself did indeed pass into the hands of Magnus the Good. Um, and so this also uh, marked the end of the Yelling dynasty uh, as the rulers of the Kingdom of Denmark, just due to this agreement. And it's funnily enough, this agreement um, was cited by Harold Hadrada um, in later years and as his justification as the King of Norway um, uh, invading England when uh, Harold Godwinson was the King of England. This was the event just before the Battle of Hastings in 1066, which led to the Battle of Stamford Bridge, where Harold Hodrada has said because Harder Canute as the King of England had promised Magnus the Good as the King of Norway that if he uh if he died first if if harder canute died first that magnus would be entitled to inherit his kingdoms uh magnus inherited denmark but he didn't inherit england as the witan prevented this by nominating edward the confessor as the new king of england and so harold hadrada um a quarter of a century later cited this as his justification for the invasion of england of course, we know that this was unsuccessful as he, his, uh, his link up with Harold Godwinson's brother, Tostig Godwinson, was ultimately unsuccessful as both Tostig and Harold Hadrada were killed at the Battle of Stamford Bridge in, in 1066. So with the death of Hardacanute and we'd lost uh, Harold Harefoot, we'd lost um, Sven the second who was briefly instated as the King of Norway before Magnus the Good. Um, that that was really it for the male lineage of that Yelling dynasty was all but extinguished. There were a couple of females that married into other royal families. Um, so uh, it wasn't like the Yelling dynasty completely died out, but it just had no further significance really um, in terms of uh, a male lineage carrying on and, and being any kind of ruler of any country like England returned to the Anglo-Saxons and um, Norway and Denmark had, um, had sort of been taken over by Magnus the Good really and that that was it really this North Sea Empire had um, diminished very quickly after the death of Canute the Great and that is the story of this yelling dynasty this uh, 
this house of Gorm um, and what we originally referred to as the house of Canutlinga, um, the uh, the house of Canute and his descendants. Um, that's it. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, so we're going to wrap up this one. Um, as has been the tradition with this set of um, unscripted episodes, um, I'm going to release two back to back. The next one will be tomorrow and it will just be an update uh, of other stuff. So we'll be uh, looking at some listener messages and reviews and some of the emails that have been written in and we've got some very interesting stuff to talk to you about. So um, also there's been another special episode commissioned and, and it's a fantastic subject choice. So I'm going to tell you about that tomorrow. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to writing about it because I've stumbled across this anomaly of history um, during my writings of this transition between the classical world and, and the medieval world. And I, and I do believe it needs further investigation. It's sort of along the lines of the late Bronze Age collapse, that kind of um, mysterious event in history. So we're going to be looking at that, but I'll tell you more details about that tomorrow. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this week's unscripted episode or this particular episode and uh, look forward to speaking to you, to you again tomorrow. Um, until then, be good. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com. And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. See you next time.